you and Kobe played basketball at the same place. Yeah. Because you Lower that- Marion represents. <laughs> I was I did play ball. I played Kobe. Kobe scored more points in his freshman year than I scored my whole season. I mean my whole career. But I was a captain and a starter in all league, and he still crushed all my numbers. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. celebrities behind the scenes it's refreshing authentic the whole story specific life altering events to shape the person that you hear we got a champion and carry champion hey girl you did it it's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with every champion and carry champions to be a champion a champion and carry champion hey girl you did it got a champion and carry champion and carry champion greatest greatest in sports and entertainment connected with welcome back i'm glad you're here i'm glad you're listening You know, it's interesting. My, I want to say a side note. First of all, I appreciate you all who've been listening since the beginning and understanding that doing any kind of show is a work in progress. But I have a makeup artist who kind of, you know, low-key salted me uh, on the show saying, I really like the one with Jamel because it was really conversational. And I thought to myself, that sounds like somebody who doesn't know how to do any type of production. So I should give her a break. But it really irritates me when y'all don't know how hard it is to put together this type of work. We do our best. Me and my Booski Tribble do our best here at The Black Effect. And it may not always turn out the way we want it, but it's all a work in progress, as are you, right? If you're listening right now, you ain't got your shit together. We are all a work in progress, as is this show, as is us getting to the level of where we want to be. Everything takes time. Oprah wasn't great overnight. I use that because Oprah, my homegirl. But that, with that being said, everything does take time. Time is where the healing begins. Time is where you have perspective. Time really is a beautiful thing. That's why we shouldn't waste it. That leads me to my guest today, Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson is an entrepreneur. He is a producer, he's a film and television studio executive, and you may know him more mainstream for being John Legend's partner at Get Lifted Films. They're producing and putting out some great content, and kudos to Mike Jackson. I met him over what we call the socials, uh, 
the Instagram. And what I liked about him is that I liked the work that he was putting out there. Uh, I didn't, you don't know too many people who are behind the scenes. It's rare that you know the folks who are behind the scenes. You know some of the big names in Hollywood, you know, the folks who do the, the blockbuster films, but it's rare that you get to meet a black man behind the scenes that's putting out excellent award-winning content. And that is what he does. He grew up in Philly. He says some people would argue because he grew up in a very affluent neighborhood, a neighborhood in which he was just the one black kid hanging out with a bunch of white kids. Ah, my favorite topic, race relations. Mike was very clear that he knew he was different from a lot of other black kids just because of how he grew up, the privileges in which he had. Not a bad thing. I'm proud of his parents for giving him those privileges. But you have to talk about being a black kid with privileges in a white neighborhood. Um, if you are not careful as a parent, you often forget to remind your child that you're black. If you are not careful as a parent, uh, your child may think life will be easy for them because of how they have grown up. And kudos to Mike's folks, that did not happen. He knew he was black. In his own words, I am a black man. I am defined by my blackness, but it does not control me. It made me think of how when I was a kid, I grew up in the hood, right? And by hood, I'm not saying we were shooting every day, but it wasn't a great neighborhood. And I got bused to school with white people. My mom didn't want me to go to the local schools because she thought I was going to get the best education. She was correct. Um, but I grew up with a lot of white people also. But when I came home at night or when I came home from school, I was around us, my people, my blacks. So I dipped in and I dipped out. I dip in, I dip out. I dip in, I dip out. <laughs> and, and in that way, I think that has allowed me to see a lot from both sides and gives me a perspective that I appreciate. Mike is a rare breed for me. And this particular interview is rare for me as well. Very rarely do I hear a black man talking about growing up in an all-white neighborhood, but still being very connected to his heritage. Very rarely do I hear a black man speak unapologetically about being married to a white woman, knowing that in today's America, period, he would be considered something. I don't even want to, I don't even say he's considered anything. People, black women specifically, because I'm going to, I'm going to talk from a black woman's perspective. We would feel some type of way. Look at this handsome, well-to-do black man being married to a white woman. Now, mind you, he opened up the door to this conversation, which is why I love him. He brought it up. He said he never thought in a million years he'd be married to a white woman, but it is what it is. He loves her. They have a black son, because you know, if you mix, that's it. You black. You mix girl, mix boy, you black. And he talked about it in a way that wasn't saying he didn't want to be with a black woman. He just said, I fell in love with this person. This is who I love. He shared it in such a way that I understood who he was. And I also know that he's very proud to be black, which is why he puts out amazing black content, telling our stories, telling the stories of the culture. But he also knows that there are people on the outside looking in saying, look at that black man married to a white woman. 
Well, listen, I'm not going to explain who I love, but I am going to tell you that I know who I am and I know what is happening and I know what you see, but there is more than, but there is more to it than what you expect. There's more there. And I kind of envy him because I've been having this discussion lately about interracial dating. I talked about it last week with Jamel. Jamel says she didn't think I could be with a white man for different reasons. Her reasons aren't mine. I am well aware of the fact that I would feel some sort of way hitting the streets with a white man on my arm. <laughs> so awful to say out loud. But there is this there is this idea that I only date whites, and that's just not true. But I will tell you, I will tell you this, I have, and this is a humble, not so humble brag, I have been asked out by some heavy hitters in the white community. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you okay? You want a little car? Okay, little Carmel. Um, and I and I would be lying if I didn't tell you I was flattered. And I would also be lying if I didn't tell you that in my mind, I was like, I got to do this for the culture. You know what I mean? Just like, let me do this for the culture. However, the idea of explaining my blackness to someone who isn't familiar with it is completely uncomfortable to me, especially in today's times. This podcast, when you hear it, believe it or not, is a hard transition. When you hear it over the weekend, Kobe Bryant was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Michael Jordan on hand, Vanessa Bryant on hand. First ballot Hall of Famer, no questions asked. Kobe has a crazy connection with Mike Jackson. And maybe that's why I love Mike Jackson, if I'm being honest with you, because y'all know how much I love Kobe. Um, but listen to the podcast <laughs> and appreciate this man, this entrepreneur for who he is. But look, just on GP, Kobe, his homie. I mean, at least he thinks he was at one point. Sit back, relax. Enjoy Naked. You want to hear a funny Kobe story that I'll go? Oh, yeah, tell me. <laughs> when he was in high school, we, we would come back and scrimmage the varsity. And it was like a Saturday after a Friday night. And I'm like, like you and Jamel, I was had a couple of drinks the night before, wasn't wow. feeling my best. Kobe comes up and tries to dunk the ball on me and I grab him and I'm like, yo, kid, like respect your elders. Be easy. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next play down 180 dunks on me. Just reverse nasty dunk. I'm like, all right. So afterwards I go up to him and I'm like, you know what, kid, you're he's probably a sophomore at this point. I'm like, you know, what, kid, you're really good. I'm like, if you stick with it, you might get a scholarship to Temple University or Villanova. Work hard. And he was like... <laughs> He's like, done with right, you. Right. Yeah, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm sorry. I take back everything this I said about your communicating skills. <laughs> like this podcast is over, sir. It's a wrap. <laughs> Carrie, thank you. I had thank so much fun. Mike Jackson is an accomplished producer. By definition, he is successful. But more importantly, at least for me, he has an incredible perspective as a man. And and please, men, forgive me, but he's very aware of his privilege and his blackness. I, so I, I, I claim Philly, but if you ask like Kevin Hart or someone who's like from Philly, I'm from Lower Marion, where Kobe's from. But I grew up in this really kind of white, affluent suburb called the Main Line. And um, I always knew I was like, 
what the black kid or one of like two or three of us, but because that, that was my home life, right? My parents always made me aware of what I am and who I am and who gave me life, who gave them life, just my heritage. But it still wasn't like, um, I, I, I was proud of it, but I never like thought much about it outside of those conversations because I always felt accepted by my white peers and my black peers. But then I was playing dunk ball when I was like 12 with three of my white friends and I was giving it to him. And I remember the last play I went and dunked on this kid, David, and to win the game. And he called me nigger. Like yelled it like the top of his lungs out of frustration. And that was a defining moment in my life because everything my parents told me in that moment was crystallized. You know, never get too comfortable in your environment especially as a black man in a white man's world, because no matter how they treat you, there's still a little part of them that's gonna see you as this black boy. And that was the first time in my life when, I, like I said, I was around 12 years old, where I realized like, oh shit, like I'm different. Although the same, these kids, I grew up the same, I had the same access, I had the same, the same toys, the same education, but I'm different. And that was the first time that really struck me the 12 year old version of me was still really confused by my blackness, although I, I was, although I was living in it. The 20 something year old of me understood it a lot more and understood like, there's a power in my blackness. You know what I'm saying? And like these folks that I'm around that I've grown up with that tell me they're my best friends and love me. And some of them to this day are my best friends and they do love me. But there's so many people that look like them that don't wanna see us win or they look like them and they don't think we know how to win. And I just knew it. I just knew it intuitively because David, I'm not gonna say his last name, called me the N-word and I carried that with me. And then my, my godmother set me free and she taught me how to you know, embrace my, my blackness and just own it. And that's informed me every day of my life since I left Philly to be proud of my blackness, to be proud of who I am. Let it define me, but don't let it control me. Meaning like, I mean, I'm in an interracial relationship. I never thought I would have a white blonde wife, but that's what I fell in love with. And that doesn't diminish my blackness. That doesn't diminish my grind. You heard the man. He says it does not diminish his blackness. Uh, Mike goes on to explain what it means to be married to a white woman and more specifically what it means to have children with a white woman. And I respect his unapologetic approach. I always thought I was going to have a, a woman of color as my, my life partner, my wife, the mother of my children. But it's hard out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to find that person. And I just happened to find her in this embodiment of a white, blonde girl. And the night I met her, I saw her from across the room and knew she wasn't my type just because of the color of her skin and left. And my mother, my angel, rest in peace, was like, you big dummy. And literally, like, willed this woman to my home that same night. And all of a sudden, she walked in my front door. And an hour later, I, I was like, you know, I'm done. You're my wife. You're the mother of my children. Call your people. Call whoever to call. Tell them it's a wrap. And six weeks later, we moved to London to go make Jingle Jangle. 
I think about my son and, you know, he's half black, half white. He's a black boy. Cause that's how the world's going to treat him. But it's like what we teach him in the house and we're going to teach him to love all of who he is, his white side, his black side. My wife's also Canadian. He's going to know about Canada. He's going to know about like all of the things that make us who we are as individuals. And he's going to love all of it. But when he walks out the door, he's still going to know that they see him as a black boy and he's going to know what that means as well. And, you know, I think through the content that we're making and the relationships that we've built, me and my wife and the people in our life, which is a cornucopia of all kinds of people, I think that Jones, my son, will be empowered by his blackness as I am. And, and, and you know, I don't know when he grows up if it's still going to have to be like armor or not, but um, I know that he's going to be a he's going to be a proud black man. We'll have more Mike Jackson right after this break. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. They girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked with Hey everybody, welcome back to Naked. Mike Jackson continued 
starts right now. Professionally, and we move on from personally, Mike Jackson uh, has really done it all. It's extremely impressive. He worked on La La Land. In fact, he was the executive producer of a film that won six Oscars. Who can say that? And then Mike, with this very eclectic resume, was the producer on Jingle Jangle. That won an NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Picture. Mike has a very impressive resume, but that's directly related to his hustle and how he grew up. I've always felt like I had a superpower. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know exactly in growing up how it manifested itself, but I always felt like special. Not like I deserve to be treated differently, but I always felt like there was something inside of me that was built to win. Um, I always felt like if I do the work and I put myself in a position to, th to thrive, that's what's going to happen. You know, I look at my friends back home who have wonderful lives and make good livings and have like 2.5 kids and doing the thing. And I'm like, that's not, that's, that's not it for me. Like I want those things, but I also want this other thing that like, I, I want the dream to become a reality and that's what it's become. Have you ever wondered what separates the ordinary from extraordinary? Uh, what makes you successful versus still grinding and hustling and trying to figure it out? There is one thing I believe that really changes someone's trajectory. No one handed me anything, right? And the perception is when your partner is John Legend, who's world renowned and super famous, and people think like they're just handing out movie deals and TV deals and the shit is easy because John Legend standing next to you and that's just not the case and I think you know for me and how I've navigated it again real talk like growing up in this uber white affluent area I learned how to speak to those folks in a really personal way and a handful of those people are living in LA in the movie in entertainment business and some of them are working with us as agents so like I've been able to like capitalize in a significant way on on this place where I was from in a tangible way, like I said, by working with these people, but also an altruistic way of just like understanding them globally, people like them. And I think that's one of the superpowers, right? That I had was the ability to communicate with people that don't look like me, but I know I can think the same way they're thinking about how to execute and deliver on a project or whatever that task is at hand. And I think that's probably one of the biggest blessings I've had in my life is being a black man from this, this environment and learning to speak that language. Some people call it coding um, and, and I wouldn't disagree with that. I don't know, it's like a survival method to me. It's like certain times you gotta be certain things, right? Like you're always uniquely yourself, but I don't think that you're um, compromising who you are by figuring out a way to navigate a certain room that's occupied by certain types of people. I think being able to do that is a, again, a superpower, it's a gift um, and, it's a, and it's a path forward. You know what I'm saying? Like if I just had to be like one way all the time, I wouldn't have nearly the success that I'm having. I wouldn't be relatable to all the different kinds of people that I meet in this business. I have a friend that says, put the weed in the bag and everything else will come. What that means is do the work, work hard, Grind, hustle, do all the things you need to do in the beginning of your career. But once you reach a certain level, you will be able to understand your privilege, the privilege to say what you mean and mean what you say. 
especially in today's America. We can no longer pretend as if race is not an issue. And when you have a platform and if you have the privilege and more specifically, if you have the power, use it. I know Mike does. Earlier in my career, I would bite my tongue when it came to race specifically, just because, again, I was trying to deliver the messaging that I thought would best that's best suited for what I was trying to accomplish in that moment. Now at 49, with some successes and a, a savings account, like I give less fucks, you know, and there's still a way to do it like we were talking about, but there's this brashness now about race that I feel like I have to have, um, not just in storytelling and using our platform to tell these stories, but in navigating real life. Like folks need to be told sometimes, you know, and telling someone doesn't mean yelling and screaming and beating your chest either. There's a, there's a, there's really kind of intelligent ways you can communicate with folks about race and, and kind of check them if they need to be checked, tell them, you know, you're overthinking it if they're, you know, if you think it's like a little too much, but I always think there's a way to talk to people and the older I get, whether it's race or anything that's considered to be sensitive, I just don't have the time to not just come at you straight. I don't know about y'all, but I love hearing an origin story, the beginning of greatness or greatness in the making. And when Mike talks to me or talks to us now, because we're on this podcast together, you can tell he always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I didn't even know that I wanted to be a producer at first. I, I just knew that like after school, I moved to a town in Colorado called Boulder and I got a job working at a restaurant and I was super personable. And these two guys named Hardy and Lucas, two white, white boys like came up to me and were like, we want you to promote our parties. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, promote your parties, whatever. And they're like, give us a list of names, have them, those people will pay to come in, you'll give them drink tickets and then we'll pay you money. And I was like, hmm, okay. So I did it, it was working out. But then of course I'm like, well, what are they making? So I decided to kind of follow them around and understand what they were doing. And they were saying they were producing events. So I was like, oh, bet, I can do that. So then I became their biggest competitor, launched my own events production company and started doing events in Boulder. And then that grew to San Francisco. And then that evolved into New York and Philly. Um, and somewhere along the way, I realized, well, if I can produce an event, why can't I produce a TV show or a movie? Like, it's the same word, right? It's, they're both verbs I'm producing. So, and you know, I was an English major in college and I loved, you know, loved reading and I love stories and I love TV and films. So I just felt like, well, well, let's figure it out. And I ended up back in Philly and I ended up getting a job. I decided to get rid of that business, sell that business. And that's when I decided I'm going to produce TV and film. That's just what I'm going to do. And I um, got a job as a casting director on a dating show on this network called TLC, the learning channel from back in the day. And over a period of time, I went from casting to producing. And that was like grad school for me. It was like, I would just get dropped off in a city with our team and we'd have to deliver two episodes. And that was my grad school. And I was like, okay, I got it. I can do this. And then I ended up reaching out to a couple of my friends who were crushing it in real estate, like commercial real estate, just bags. And I just, I sold them. I was like, you guys love Hollywood. You guys want to go to like great premieres and meet celebrities. I'm like, bankroll me and let's launch a company and let's go make movies. And they said, yes, people like to be popular. 
And as you start making money, the ultimate is like all that Us Weekly bullshit, right? Like <laughs> the Hamptons and like, you know, Art Basil or Basil, however you say it, and and Khan and all that, all that, that stuff is where people with money want to go. But just because you have money doesn't mean you can be invited. So what I was trying to do was give them a lane in that direction and only cost them a few million dollars. And all of a sudden I had my own company financing films and I made three films for this company and that was grad school B. If you look at the state of our culture, if you look at what is happening in our world today, people like Mike Jackson are invaluable. And the reason I say that is because our stories must be told. Don't get caught up in any of the extra, the things that do not matter. As he said early on, I am a black man and I understand that. But he is here to tell stories, stories that matter. And the way in which he has gone about it has been absolutely amazing. He clearly is a true entrepreneur. He clearly knows how to control a room. He has an advantage. He grew up privileged. All of those things work together for our good. And what I mean by that is he sees a renaissance, a black renaissance in Hollywood, if you will. Because there was a time that people could get movies made and then it went away and now it's come back. And I asked him why. Just they, they didn't give us credit. That's all it was. They didn't give our audience credit. Like they didn't think that we black folks were going to go buy tickets to see smart black shit in 2013, 2014, you know? But there's been this incredible shift in, in society, especially around blackness and like what we bring to the table. Like for us, by us, like FUBU started a long time ago. And even before that, we were doing things for the culture. They just never really wanted to see us. And I think at least for us specifically coming into 15 and that whole run I was just talking about, they couldn't ignore us anymore. You know what I mean? And then John is just such good business and a good man and like how he navigates his life and how he walks earth. Like he does all the right things. And it's not a, it's not a gimmick. That's who he is. But at the same time, like people want to be around that guy and people trust that guy, you know? And it's like that, that worked in our favor because all of a sudden we could be in a position to tell elevated stories. People did trust us more because Ava put out Selma because you know, all these great filmmakers of color are doing great things, Casey Lemon. So it's like all these great filmmakers were finally being seen. It was like almost like a monsoon of, of Black content um, and Black voices. And that's still happening. We have a long way to go, but it's certainly happening a lot more now than ever, um, even with Black executives. I mean, my goodness, like, again, we have a long way to go, but I'm so excited about the shift that I've been watching with black females running studios like and it's not just one of them you know what i mean there's a handful a bunch you know and like yeah and it's like and they're our friends and it's like crazy and like it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to pick up the phone and call someone they don't have to buy your shit but the fact that you know you have a chance you have a real opportunity to be seen and heard and considered is it's a magical feeling from looking from where we started to where we are now I kind of have no filter and I, I mean that in a positive way. Like I just speak my truth, Carrie, you know, like, and I feel that's refreshing. You know, I don't hide who I am. I mean, I'm obviously no one's perfect. I have, 
habits and flaws that people could judge. Nothing horrible, but like, I don't try to hide who I am with anyone. And I think if you take the guessing game out of the equation and people truly see you for who you are because you're never trying to be something you're not, I think that that, that works really well for me. Um, at least I hope it does. Mike Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, a round of applause. <laughs> Mike, if you're listening, much respect. Um, what I see and what I was able to learn from you uh, in this very naked podcast was a man who has lived a life, various lives, and he understands the good and the bad, the privileged and the not so privileged. You take what you have, your resources, your access, and you use it for good to tell stories for the people of the people and you try to change the narrative and you are unapologetic in every single way. Everyone uses that word now, right? Unapologetic, unapologetic. But what that means is, is I will tell you my truth. I will be naked. This is what I have. I will be as vulnerable as I possibly can. If you can receive it, great. If you can't, I don't know what to tell you. You asked, you got it. And that's what I felt when I had this opportunity to talk to Mike Jackson. He gave me, wow. He gave me a lot of things to think about. And what I mean by that is how I address black men who are married to white women or women who aren't black. I don't know if it's fair if I feel a type of way. I don't know if I've been conditioned to feel a type of way. And then there's the hypocrite in me that will tell you unapologetically, there's that word, that yeah, okay, I see you famous rich white man trying to holler at me. I'm flattered. Man, that's crazy. But it's honest. And you know what else is honest? Mike Jackson. I applaud you for sharing your truth. And everybody may not be able to receive it, but I did. But more importantly, as we released this podcast over the weekend, as mentioned, Kobe Bryant, and obviously I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. Mike and I bonded over that was inducted into the Hall of Fame by my was inducted into the Hall of Fame by Michael Jordan. His wife Vanessa was there as well. And the class of 2020 includes Kobe, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and Tamika Catchings. So salute to all of you greats. But obviously I'll focus in on Kobe and the connection that both Mike and I have. Kobe was always my favorite player. The Lakers punctuate my childhood. Not only do they narrate it, they punctuate my childhood and my adulthood. Kobe Bryant was on the team for 20 years. I grew up with Kobe. Met him on countless occasions. Interviewed him. He respected my hustle. I respected his. And he was so very spirit-like to me. The way he approached the game. Head down, do my job. You don't like it, I don't care. He literally didn't care. I care. But he didn't care. And he got a bad rap for that, but I understood it. And now that he's gone, most of us understand it. But once he retired from the NBA, I remember thinking, how did he leave us? What were our best memories? I went to his very last game where he scored 60 points. It was unbelievable, unbelievable, electric. I am glad that I was able to witness that. I saw him a few times thereafter. I interviewed him a few times thereafter. And obviously, much like the rest of the world, I was devastated by his death. But I will try to celebrate and not cry, because I often cry when I talk about him. I will try to celebrate his life 
as we did this past weekend. And that brings me back to our guest, Mike Jackson. Mike, you had a great story about Kobe Bryant. And I think we should share. Because remember, you guys played ball together back in Philly. You guys, you know, you were you were Mike, captain, running the show. And here comes this kid, Kobe. Thank you for sharing your Kobe Bryant memories. But more importantly, the very last time you interacted with the Hall of Famer. Best basketball player ever. Kobe Bryant. Kobe, he, we both grew up in Wynwood, Pennsylvania, five blocks from one another. I um, knew him when he was a youngster, going through high school. Didn't see him again until um, November, right before he died. And I saw him at an event and I went up and I was like, what's good? We started talking and he was like, holy shit, I can't believe this is you and you're here doing this in the entertainment business that's what i'm doing now i'm like yeah you want an oscar but um we we, we exchanged emails and emailed a couple times and i remember like not only is he the greatest basketball player in my opinion he's just the greatest because he's got that he's got that mama mentality so kobe's always my guy black tech green money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs it's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities that's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.